Welcome to Worth Reading Wednesdays here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. This is a podcast hosted by CLPLS librarians about books we're reading and recommending and anything else that has caught our attention. I like your shirt. It's so cute. You should have told me and we could have coordinated. I know, but believe it or not, when I woke up this morning, I didn't know what I was going to wear. And I didn't know how the weather was going to be today for the most part. I thought it wasn't going to start raining until later on this evening, but... It started raining a little bit earlier in the day, and so by the time I got ready to get dressed, I was just like, okay, t-shirt and jeans it is. I, I'm just going to say this, and I will regret it, but I'm ready for summer to just be here so we don't have this bipolar weather. I'm ready to just know that when I walk out the door, I'm going to feel like I'm swimming and not have to, like, play this guessing game of is it going to be 20 degrees or is it going to be 79 degrees? I agree. And also... I think it's, I feel particularly victimized by the weather (laughs) (laughs) when it's like 70 degrees in the beginning of March because do you know how white my legs are? (laughs) And then it's like, I should wear some shorts, but then I have to deal with the thought of, do people need to be blinded by my legs? (laughs) You know, should should I really whip that out and hurt people's feelings (laughs) or... Should I just get over it and go for comfort? You know, there's a whole dilemma there. And I get it. Yeah. So I'm just, it. I'm ready for it to just like stay in its lane. And mm-hmm. right now the weather is not staying in its lane. It really isn't. I mean, so. It's very unconsensual. And like, I would really like to have a sit down discussion. Like I think me and the weather needs to go to therapy. Like mm-hmm. I need. Family therapy, family I need, counseling, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Something like that because. Now, all of a sudden, I'm having so, such bad allergies that I've got to go to a dermatologist next week. Oh, Lord. Trying some different things that I can do to help keep my eyes moisturized. And it's just it's a lot. And I'm just ready, like you said, I'm ready for it to be summer and just let it go on and be, be that way. Plus, too, there's so many pretty colors coming out this year that I'm just like, okay, I can't wait to wear. But you don't know when, when you're going to be able to wear them because right now we're still going up and down. Mm-hmm. And then it makes me wonder for April, because usually we'll have a straight string of weather that's warm around this time, because we expect that cold snap right before Easter. So it's like, when is the cold snap going to be this year? Easter's all the way in April, right? I know, yeah. but it's just like... I... I'm just, yeah. I'd rather... We just went on a tangent just stand with the unconsensualness of... Of the weather and... Well, I can't wait to get back to summer. Like, this past summer was mm-hmm. so fun. And I think it was because we hadn't had a chance to do a lot of stuff. But yeah. also, like, our kids out in Artesia and Crawford. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Highlight of my day. And I'm so excited to come back into the... Like, there was a day last year where I came up back into the library. We were doing uh, Mentos Diet Coke, like the uh, right. the Mentos rockets, mm-hmm. we were blasting off Diet Coke two liter bottles, and these kids were going crazy. <laughs> and I came head to toe, back, head to toe covered in Diet Coke. Oh wow! And like I'm just so excited to have that again, where they're like, yeah. it is hot, but you're just playing in the water, and you're playing in the like we had a uh, water balloon day and you know, and then you had the phone party mm-hmm. which i missed last year you know and we did the 
water balloons where they stood across from each other and had to toss the balloon and yeah they screamed every time because they were like so scared to have they, the balloon pop but, but they right. wanted it at the same time because it was so hot yeah so it was like this weird little like ah! and then like oh, I just I cannot wait I cannot wait to have that all over again I hope it's yeah. somewhat the same as it was last summer so. I hear you me too yeah well I've been another bad girl again as usual I have not done any homework I mean, honestly, I haven't either. I've just pulled some books that I won't, I feel like deserve some extra airtime. So, okay. really, that's all I did. Well, what I did do was I looked up what some great books that are going to be coming out soon mm -hmm. in 2022 that I want to kind of, I guess, make a point to possibly get. Of course, you know, all of our heavy hitters are going to be coming back starting in June. You actually. know what? I got a call this morning. For Lee Child's No Plan B. <laughs> and I had to look at it. I said, ma'am, unfortunately, that's not being published until October 25th of 2022. And they're like, oh, you know. Can right. I get on a list for that? And I was like, see, uh, there has to be a book for there to be a list. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Exactly. And I and I know people are eager to get these new titles because I've had to do that as well with uh, uh, Colleen Hoover is getting a big surge in people coming to read her. I don't yeah. know if she just... But she's written a little bit of young adult, but then she's also written some regular adult fiction as well. So it's like, I, I don't know if it's her young adult books that are, are, are starting to hit the, the crowds again or what. But I have had a, a lady come in asking for her books, mm -hmm. and I had to tell her that it didn't come out until October as well. And so, although I know everybody's, you know, eager for these, it's just, you know, it's going to... It kind of takes a little bit of time for me to grab and get a hold of these different things. But I'm excited. A lot of stuff really, the, well, the, the main folks who we, you know, everybody's used to are not coming out until in the April, really May and June is when we're going to see a blast of those kinds of authors really bringing some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. For instance, Iris Johansson. Some people are still reading her, you know. She's continuing her Eve Duncan series, and it's coming out June 14th. So I think people are really going to be looking forward to that one. It's really hard to get Amazon to really narrow some stuff down for me. Mm -hmm. Even when I'm looking, it's, it's all over the place. Like, okay, like, for instance, Nora Roberts is going to have another book out May 24th called Night Work. That sounds interesting. Shocker. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, she's definitely, <laughs> she's not changing any of that. I wonder how many weeks it would take to sit down and read all of, like, Nora Roberts' books. If you just and try to read to, through all of her stuff. Right. And then not to mention her writing as J.D. Robb. Which, yeah. to be honest with you, I wondered why she changed because... Her Nora Roberts books are also in mystery and suspense. So pick up some what male was JD Rob? Probably to pick up some male readers. Oh, okay. Because JD, like even the font choices that they made for JD Rob are very like Lee Child esque. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like if you just look at the covers, JD Rob looks oh. like a male author. Uh, well, Which you, yeah. I mean, if you look on the back, you find out that's not the case. Right. I think it's just trying to get her marketed towards other types of readers because mm -hmm. she's so siloed to like female middle-aged readers, I feel right. like. And then like, same for Danielle Steele. Yeah. How long would it take 
to read everything Danielle Steele's written? It'd be a lot because, well, she's been writing since the 1990s. As you know, I was even I was even reading her. And she has already, they've done an article, and I've said it before on this podcast, she writes every single day. Yeah. So let me see when that next book is coming. It's called High Stakes. It's not, it's actually out right now. It came out, hold on, it came out, it came out this, no, it's coming out March 9th. Mm. So I will be able to grab it, you know, soon, but it's called High Stakes. So, I mean, you know. Um, Debbie McComer is coming out with a, a book called The Best is Yet to Come. It'll be here in July. James Patterson, of course, is going to come out with his books. And this was a part of the Women's Murder Club. This is 22 mm-hmm. Seconds. And it won't be out until May, May 2nd. I wonder if that was, you know, done on purpose. 22 Seconds mm-hmm. on May 2nd will be coming out. <laughs> they should have done it on Tuesday. Right, exactly. Maybe it wasn't ready yet. Let's see. We've got, oh, wait a minute. Lisa Scottaline is starting to make a a resurgence, it seems like. She's got a book coming called What Happened to the Bennetts. And again, I know that's like suspense and uh, mystery-like stuff. Mm. It's coming out March 29th, so at the end of this month. But a lot of people are, a lot of new authors are, oh, wait a minute, Tom Clancy, I'm sorry, y'all, that I'm jumping all over the place. Tom Clancy, Zero Hour, is coming with a new book. And I would love to know how our readers feel about the different people who are actually reading, uh, reading, writing the Tom Clancy novels. Because this one is by Don Bentley this time. So I wonder, do they like reading different authors who are writing in, in the Tom Clancy uh, under that heading mm-hmm. because you know Mike Lopica has written for Tom written Tom Clancy books somebody else has written Tom Clancy books but they seem to have different authors so that one's not coming out to June 7th I just um, have such a hard time following the authors who get so prolific that they're like their own name like even in mm-hmm. children's fic with Rick Riordan like mm-hmm. I have a hard time keeping up with just all the stuff and once it's almost like once it gets too big I stop following it because it's like too much hassle to keep up with everything and I was reading Percy Jackson and the Lightning Lightning Thief as a kid myself because they came out when I was a kid Mm -hmm. so I started with that series and I got all the way up to the Egyptian mythology series the Red Pyramid Mm -hmm. stuff like that and at that point it was just like this is so Mm -hmm. and I just kind of dropped off and I did too, because I actually had, I was looking forward to when we would get some donations, I would grab a couple of the, I think I was getting ready to start the Norse mythology, Mm -hmm. I think. And I was, you know, stacking them up as I was getting them. And then I was like, man, there's a lot to read. And I was just like, I'm never going to be able to jump into that right now. Because I love the Percy Jackson series. In fact, I think that was the first series of young adult books that really got me into young adult reading. And I was still teaching then, if I'm not mistaken. I think I was still teaching then. Hmm. But loved that and really, really, really do wish that that I had been able to keep up with that. But I I couldn't. It was, you're right, it was just way too much. So that's what I've got so far. And since that was mostly mystery and suspense, then I can go on to something else. But yeah, like I said, a lot, a lot of stuff isn't coming out right at this moment. It's not. The good stuff seems to be from our favorite authors are not coming out until between the between May and August. Yeah. And I that just, stinks. 
Well, and like even so with Jane Patterson, like his mm-hmm. stuff is so much, and I love to read the Women's Murder Club. Like, mm-hmm. the, okay, back in the day, <laughs> and you know that can mean a lot of things for different people. But for me, back right. in the day. I would get on our computer, like that Windows 98 early XP situation. <laughs> right. And I'd go on MSN games, and there was a game where you could download the Women's Murder Club and like play like you were one of the detectives off the series. Oh, wow. You could still probably find it online. And it was so fun, but it was like timed, and you had to buy the game. And mm, yeah. we went about that. We were just trying to see how far we could get on the free trial. Exactly. And that's how, like, just the the little stories in the game were so intriguing to me and i'd love to read it but i'm just like it's too much the last james patterson i read was uh suzanne's diary to nicholas or whatever and that one hurt that one hurt real bad wow you want to know what that's about (laughs) i'm not about to tell you i don't Um, because i have a love-hate relationship with mr patterson because i have to decide so much about what I'm going to buy when it comes to him. Like, am I keeping up with this particular series? And then he's got this new book that comes out. And so I can't buy every James Patterson book. Mm-hmm. And so it, it drives me a little crazy when he's writing all over the place. So I have to really work through when I'm making a list of fiction books when I'm what I'm going to be able to get. Right. Oof. But anywho. Well. So what you got? I just pulled. So I don't really... I feel like I talk a lot about books I've already read, but I don't talk mm-hmm. about books I'm currently reading. Okay. Currently, I picked this up off my cart because... You know, I've never read that, nor have I ever seen the movie, nor have I ever seen the play. I've wow. Not, no, I don't oh. know anything about The Phantom of the Opera. I'm I sorry, read I just Phantom of the Thunder. No, I read Phantom of the Opera when I was too young. <laughs> There's a theme. And I was like, why are all these monsieurs and mademoiselles? And like, just, you know, I need to reread it reread it because i probably read it when i was 13 mm. and no went over my head <laughs> that book has long been donated because i was like i don't get it but i love the movie the um the movie with gerard butler okay I and find it. emmy rossum okay and so the premise of the phantom of the opera okay is there's this up-and-coming opera singer named christine die and she's like an understudy. She's not the big ticket at the Phantom of, or at the Opera House. Okay. She's just like, we'll put Christine on when somebody's sick, essentially. Okay. And so it kind of centers around Christine's relationship with her angel of music. Mm-hmm. And to learn about her angel of music, you kind of have to go back in her history and know that Christine's father died okay. when she was very young. And before he died, he was like, I'm going to send you this angel of music to watch over you. Oh. So she starts hearing this voice in her dressing room in the opera. And it's, like, been tutoring her on how to sing in the opera. And, like, um, eventually, so the opera house at the the very beginning of the opera is being sold or, like, changing management hands. Like, okay. the two managers that have been over the opera for a long period of time are retiring and two more are coming in, but they don't... They're, like, a new breed of manager, and they're kind of not taking things seriously like they should. Mm. Um, and Christine, like I said, she's an employee of the opera, and kind of the opera house manager has looked after her after her father died, and the opera house manager is, is a woman who's daughter is a dancer in the opera okay um and so they live in the opera house like that is their job that's what they do they're paid to like 
room and board, you you perform for us every night kind of thing. Okay. Um, so at the beginning, they're having this gathering. They do a performance, and there's this party where the man the old managers are kind of giving the keys to the new managers and it's like a retirement party for the old managers well mm-hmm. the phantom of the opera shows up and he's this mysterious person who just like comes out of the shadows of the opera and you're like what? <laughs> where did you come from and why are you so creepy and so the new managers don't really take it seriously they're like lol guys real funny joke i know that there's this legend of the phantom of the opera that's cute that y'all are going out with a bang like you're retiring in style sending us these funny jokes and the phantom of the opera is like welcome to my opera house you're Mm. the new managers and here's what i expect i expected he's like i want you to pay me this many francs Franks, Franks, Franks. How do you say? <laughs> is it Franks? I don't I'm not know. Sure. Uh, I want you to pay this much in French money, <laughs> um, and you pay me to live here and make sure I don't kill you. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, also, do not ever see anybody in boot or in the booth five on the upper part of the mm-hmm. opera. Like that's my booth. You stay out of it. Oh. And so, like, this is the message that they're given, and they're like. Man, if he was real, I'd have him arrested so quick. And so, essentially, um, Christine Dye ends up performing due to Carlotta, the main opera singer, like the star of the opera house. Okay. She ends up getting sick, and she performs, and the Phantom of the Opera is, like, pushing her to be the performer, and he's, like, kind of got some... There's a weird, definitely a weird relationship dynamic there. It's kind of groomy, kind of weird. She's a lot Mm. younger than him. And he, like, has fallen, the fan of the opera has fallen in love with her her and wants to see her as the star of his opera. Oh. And so, meanwhile, Christine has has an admirer named Raul de Cheney? Cheney? Trini, I think. I'm very bad at French pronunciation, so <laughs> okay. I just like, you know, you see it in your head, but you never say it out loud, and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. Um. So Raul is like taken with that Christine, and he's like, he wants to, you know, get married to her, and they have a secret engagement because, you know, they're they're lovers flitting about the opera house together, and mm. um, eventually, so this at this time, like, the Phantom of the Opera has been locking himself away, right? Mm-hmm. So Christine feels secure enough to run around with Raul, knowing that the Phantom of the Opera is not going to hear her, mm-hmm. because the Phantom of the Opera, like, pulls her into rooms she's not aware of and, like, takes her down to the depths of the opera house where he lives. Because, you know, in France, everything's, like, built on a catacomb right. system, and so, like, he, everything underground belongs to the Phantom of the Opera in the opera house. So, like, wow. the basement, the sub-basement, all, everything. And so, the Phantom of the Opera eventually overhears Raoul and Christine making plans to get married, and he's, like, distraught heartbroken and that turns into violence like he is he's like um you you thought (laughs) you really thought because you're mine and so this whole time um christine's like this is my angel of music he's been you know teaching me and there's kind of like a 
Does Christine believe he's even real? Does she believe she's just like living in this dreamscape? We don't really know. Mm-hmm. She's just vibing. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Um, and then, you know, he gets mad and he takes, like, the Phantom of the Opera takes Christine down to his, like, lair. Lair. Yes, that's a perfect word for it, his lair. <laughs> and um, he's like, I made an opera for you and me. And we're going to perform it. And he makes them perform this opera in the opera house. And it's like he's the one of the main right. people in the opera. And it kind of devolves from there. The opera ends up um, catching on. The opera house ends up catching on fire. And mm. then it, you know, burns down. And the Phantom of the Opera, like before, I don't know, at some point. I'm going off my knowledge of the film here. So <laughs> that's very different from the book and that's very different from this graphic novel adaptation I'm reading. But he takes Christine down there. Raul has to follow him to save Christine. Um, there's this great, oh gosh, Nicole, just the theatrics of it mm-hmm. and the like, I would not go into it if you ever do watch Phantom of the Opera as a film as like, this is good you know like not that it's bad but it's just like so goofy i love it oh Um, and i mean it's serious like Mm -hmm. she about to die but you know there's scenes where it's like they're like keep your hand at the level of your eye because the phantom of the opera will put a noose around your neck and like kill yeah he's he will kill anybody who gets in his way and that's one of the things he does is like he drugs Carlotta's misting spray for her throat, oh, uh-huh. and it causes her to like croak mid opera. She's like, <gasps> oh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to rewatch it. I'm gonna rewatch it after I finish this. So I'm like, man, there are some things in there that you're like, oh no, he didn't. And then you're <laughs> there are some parts where you're like, lol, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, it's just like overall, it's a serious play or it's a serious opera about mm. like you know, music and this one man's obsession with what he wants. And you get to, in the film, it covers his backstory a little bit. I'm sure the book goes into Mm -hmm. it more. He was essentially, in the film, um, I haven't gotten to it in this graphic novel adaptation, so I don't know how it's going to be different or if they're even going to make room to cover his background. But Mm -hmm. essentially, he was used as a freak in a circus because you know like this is late 1800s early 1900s oh okay so he was a child born into like a freak show in a circus and there was a fire and his face got burned and that's why he wears the mask oh okay um that's the film version okay so i can't speak to the book or this but this i'm reading currently is the graphic novel adaptation of the phantom of the opera and it's different. The Phantom of the Opera is actually more faithful to the book where he's a lot more monstrous mm, and okay. he's drawn as Ooh. an actual skeleton type man. Yeah. Um, where his whole face was burned, not half of it. Oh, okay. So I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But essentially, you know. This is a scene in the movie as well where he wants to marry her and oh, wow. um, he drugs her. And oh. it's like, yeah, it's messy. He is messy. He's not about asking. He's about taking. Oh. Um, and so. And why is this a classic again? That's a great question. I don't. Oh. I don't okay. Because yeah. I want to say it wasn't me, but I know that there were some teachers that were te- actually teaching that in school. Um, 
So... Well, I think it has a lot to do with, like, the effects that, you know, it... I think if it were taught in a classroom, some of the themes that they would talk about were probably about, like, isolating people in society and the effects that it may have because the Phantom of the Opera is very much, like, uh, it's, like, the other in literature. He's an outcast, yes. And he was made that way due to his appearance and what that happened, like... Right. What are okay. the effects when you do that to somebody? Yeah. Um, okay. And I think the film version is much more sanitized than the right. book. Um, and I think, you know, it's more sanitized than the graphic novel. But we actually got this in um, in 2020. And it's the Phantom of the Opera, the graphic novel. And it is done by Varga Tomi. And is based on the novel by Gaston LaRue. So, yeah. I, okay. There are even parts here. Like, I don't know why. It's probably, it should not make me giggle. But, like, there are parts <laughs> in this this book that uh-huh. I'm just like, so, you know, back in the day, I'm sure it was terrifying. Right. But now I'm just like, come on now. Like, okay. Right. So, uh, in the book, Christine goes to visit her father's grave. She tells Raul that she's going to visit them, mm-hmm. or to visit her father. And, you know, if you want to come, here's where I'll be. And he goes, and he, and he's like, sees her or he hears her going because they're staying in the same inn just different rooms oh okay and he hears her leaving in the middle of the night to go to her father's grave uh tombstone mm-hmm. and he like sees her and okay i'm like looking at this i haven't seen this part yet i'm like right. oh he's gonna go out and say homeboy hops out of the window <laughs> onto a tree branch look at that I see. and that's a long way from the ground fella i was just like <laughs> like come on right how, how goofy is that and so i was just like you couldn't just walk out calmly like somebody <laughs> like a normal person you had to hop off on the tree okay yes um you know the dramatics the, the theatrics of it all yeah so i think it's one of those things where it was it was really terrifying, probably in its day, and mm. it's supposed to be very like. Oh wow! But scary. I love the 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 depiction of that. It, it looks, you know, he looks like a phantom. Of course, everything that I've ever seen about the Phantom of the Opera is that he's this. He's, I don't know. He has a sense of regalness about him, and that he doesn't look that bad. Yeah, he's got his face covered on one side, but, like, the other side is so super handsome. Whereas this depiction in this book, he looks he looks dead. He looks like a ghost. He looks... It's basically, like, an early... Um, early story of a toxic boyfriend mm. that, you know... Not even a toxic boyfriend. It's, like, one of the earliest depictions of, like, why a woman doesn't necessarily say anything when she's catcalled because she doesn't want to get you know and why a woman may not feel safe at night when it's dark outside and a man's following behind her on the sidewalk yeah stories like this are you know she's christine is like 16 okay and the fan of the opera is like 30 or something yeah he know better yes and um he's just like skulking in the shadows pulling her into rooms being like i'm gonna nurture your voice and and the next thing you know he's trying to marry her and drugging her and knocking her and i'm like sir wait a minute yep, this, is <laughs> this escalated escalated. way too quickly <laughs> yeah. 
So I would give the film a watch. I think yeah. it's so like goofy. I'm into it. Yeah. And come on, Gerard Butler can't play an ugly yes. Phantom of the Opera. No, so he's I such just, a handsome one. I'm gonna have to rewatch it, and Devin's gonna hear it, and he's gonna be like, "What are you watching?" And well, speaking of movies, I want to interject just real quickly. So I've been seeing the previews for Cyrano de Bergerac. Yes. And I am so excited. So my first introduction to Cyrano de Bergerac was not in school. It wasn't until much later that I watched um oh god now nah, just everything just left out my head. Oh, Steve Martin. Yes, that's in, the one we uh, had to watch. And uh what's the name of it? I can't think of the name that he the name of the movie. It wasn't Cyrano, it was something else. Let me look it up. But either way, I loved him in the movie. Um because he had this long nose. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was called Roxanne. Yes, there we go. Roxanne. We had to watch that in high school. Really? It was so awkward. Well, I liked it, and I eventually read Cyrano de Bergerac much later. Oh, we had to see. We were re- we had to be, we had to read Cyrano, and then we watched Roxanne. Mm-mm. Yeah. I saw Roxanne first, and by the way, that movie came out in uh 1987 so I saw the movie first and then much later at some point in school we did end up reading Cyrano but I liked the movie so much because I was I guess I've always been the kind of girl that has felt for the underdog literally Mm. in every movie it just seems that is what I am connected to and I wanted so badly for the woman in Roxanne to to um really just see uh, the dude, I don't even know what his name, I don't know what Steve's name was in the movie, but uh, C.D. Bales. He, <laughs> I wanted them to just really connect because, I mean, so what? He's got a big nose. It doesn't matter, you know, and maybe at some point when uh, cosmetic surgery gets a little bit better, you can help him get his nose fixed, but he's writing you all these lovely notes and stuff, and I'm just like, girl, fall in love with this man's heart, because... Yeah, well, she doesn't know it's him, though. I know, but I'm just like... That's the whole thing. Well, the new Cyrano de Bergerac is starring the gentleman who um, plays in Game of Thrones. I can't think of his name. I can't either. But, um... And I just, I love the fact that it's got just a little bit of comedy in it, but it also has some beautiful back and forth that I've seen already. And I'm so excited to see it. Um, Of course, it won't be something that I would actually go to the movies and see, but catch it on streaming. Yeah, I would definitely catch it on streaming. I, I would sit down and watch that. Man, that was, I can still remember reading that in class and like, you know, we'd all have to read aloud, yes. and you had to pick a like you got to sign somebody to read. Mm. And when the the guys in class had to play like Cyrano and the guy that he was trying, it was so goofy. They were <laughs> blushing because nobody oh, wanted to read yeah. any of that, and they were just like reading these lines that were such declarations of love to this woman. Right. And they're like stinky sophomore high school boys, and they're like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, it was a good time. Oh, gosh, I bet. But um, definitely looking forward to that. Well, my last book, we got a couple more minutes and then okay. we got to head out. But my last book is just one that you mentioned when we first got it. Okay. And I just read it for the first time. And you did? It was, yes. Wait, I, hold on. Um, I hadn't gotten to Ms. it. Tori. I know. Wow, I'm surprised that you hadn't gotten to it I yet. I hadn't. No, I hadn't. I'm sorry. Oh, go I'm ahead. So sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. 
sorry. I just, I'm, I'm just shocked. Look. You're the one over here super reading. I will. <laughs> well, go ahead and tell us because we love her. All right. So this is Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. I'm sure that if you haven't heard of it, you've seen it, something. If not, get Ooh. on it. Cause movie coming out. Hold on. Concrete Rose follows Maverick Carter, who is Star Carter's father in The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. And it follows Maverick's story 17 years before Star is born. Mm-hmm. And Maverick is, like, still in high school, and he just found out that he... So, it opens with... He's playing basketball in the park with his cousin and his friends, mm-hmm. and um, he's not really making eye contact with his girlfriend. You know, his girlfriend, Lisa, you know, mm-hmm. Star's mom. Uh, he's not really making eye contact with her. Like, he's like, hey. Uh. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- you you quickly learn in chapter one that there's something weird going on here. Mm-hmm. Tur- come to find out, Maverick has to go to a free clinic to find out whether he has fathered Aisha's son. Mm-hmm. And Aisha's son's name is already King Jr. Mm-hmm. Because she named him after the man. She was dating at the time. She was... Not necessarily dating, well, kind of yeah, like on dating. and off with, yeah. friends mm-hmm. with benefits with. Yeah. And she's convinced that it's his son. And this mm-hmm. is just to wrap up any loose ends because Lisa and Maverick broke up for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, insert Ross from Friends meme here. <laughs> we were on a break, you know. <laughs> right. And Maverick went and, you know, had a little yeah. fun with Aisha. And so he finds out that he is the father mm-hmm. you are the father yep um, you are 99.9 percent so, the father so essentially this st- st- concrete rose follows maverick's journey into taking on that responsibility and how he navigates his life so maverick's father was like the leader of the king lords right and mm-hmm. king's father was his right man hand mm-hmm. right man Right. right hand man. <laughs> right man hand. Yeah. And so King, like I just said, King was thought to be King Jr.'s son, uh, father, but mm-hmm. turns out King Jr. is actually Mavericks. And so Mavericks starts trying to figure out how he's going to provide for his son. Is he going to continue selling drugs and get more involved in selling harder drugs to make money? Or is he going to try to go straight, make mm-hmm. an honest living, working at a grocery store run by his neighbor and he struggles a lot and it's like even when he tries his best and he's falling asleep in class he still can't make ends meet Mm -hmm. and he feels like a constant failure and he's just always trying to battle these like he's he's striding two worlds where he's in the king lords and a lot of mavericks experience in the king lords is not as what i thought it would be like Mm -hmm. there is some gun violence here but because Maverick's father was the head, Maverick is very sheltered from the life. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not required to do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. He can if he wants to, but even then, because he's still in high school, the upper level guys don't really include him on stuff. They're like, mm-hmm. you need to just get through school. You need to make Big, Ma- Big Mav. Right. Like, you need to make him proud. proud. And I wouldn't doubt it that Big Mav did not actually, in some way, say it in the gang's uh, meetings or something that you know my son is to be he's to be respected but I don't want him around all of this 
um, foulness that that does happen. That's just not the way that I want for my son. Mm -hmm. And even if I'm doing it, you know, leave my son out of it. That's kind of the feeling that I was getting with that. Yeah, it very much is. And he does go to visit his father in prison Mm -hmm. multiple times in the book. And there are some conflicts there because his father gets really disappointed in the way he's acting. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why do you have any room to talk? Look at where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so there's some struggles there. And he feels like he's finally gotten his head above water. Mm -hmm. And then he finds out that Lisa has gotten pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like he's got a baby under one years old and his, you know, and his love of his life, Lisa. Yeah. Is, and just the way he talks about Lisa and like, Mm -hmm. he really, he, he really loves how much Lisa believes in him. Mm -hmm. And that really hits him hard when Lisa last lashes out and she's like, I don't want to be with you because of who you are. Mm -hmm. You're just a gangbanger. Like, leave me alone. This is my kid. It's not our kid. Yeah. It really hurts him. And it, it, and it's just a look at how, like, what manhood really means versus toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity and the way that, especially black males in America are told to be. Yeah. And there's a line, um, where Maverick is talking to, the grocery store owner who ends up giving him a job and really helping him develop that career as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, a lot of people talk about how black men don't cry and that's not the case. Yeah. And it's been told to you Mm -hmm. that, you know, you got to man up and do all your, take care of your business. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but you have feelings and it's okay to express them. Yeah. And it was such a poignant moment in the book, but there is one little moment where Maverick goes and buys some Jace from Red. And <laughs> Red is that guy who sells the like the <laughs> the designer brands on the uh-huh. on the sidewalk, on the yeah. table, the fold mm-hmm. the, the card table. Right. Um and so he gets these J's from Red and he comes to school after you know, he, he tries to look fly, tries to look real good at school, but there are some mornings where seven throws up all over him, mm-hmm. has a blowout diaper. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just lucky that I got here clothed, okay? Y'all <laughs> y'all need to stop right. Stop making fun of me for not wearing the the newest designers because I got a kid. I ain't got time. Right. Um, but so he he felt good. He got these J's and one of his friends goes, What's really messed up is these kicks. Rico bend down look at my Jordans. I know you ain't come to school in these, Mav. What's wrong with them? I asked. They fake. Nah, I just got these. Where from? Red. He a hustler who sells stuff out the trunk of his car. I ran into him while I went to get little man some diapers last week. I agreed to swap some of my video games in exchange for these since I don't got money for kicks. He hooked me up with them. He hooked you up with some fakes, says Rico. (laughs) Your jump man got a booty crack. (laughs) I was cackling. He said... I said, what? I yell as Junie laughed. You lying. I look at them closer and he write, the jump man, do we got a booty crack? <laughs> Yo, he got them booty crack 11s. <laughs> they run around in a circle, howling, laughing. <laughs> and that was just like one thing where like, He's dealing with so much, but how right. how relatable is it to, like, show up with some shoes that people make fun of? Right. Like, it, oh, man. It but was I have great. to admit, though, it was such a great uh, story of how Maverick came to be who he who he is in uh, The Hate You Give. Because when we see him in The Hate You Give, he is a very strong black man. He's an entrepreneur. He's working in the store that he first got his, you know 
first got his first job with that really taught him responsibility and well the child of course taught him responsibility too but I just feel like that the way he is talked about in Concrete Rose and how he eventually gets to a point where he's in a good space he and Lisa are both in a good space I just I love that he learns to be tender and um, you know and able to express how he feels about Lisa and his son and wanting to be there and wanting to to be a good um, role model for his children. I just feel like that that's amazing. Well, and in Concrete Rose, you really see that he was always tender. He just Mm -hmm. couldn't express it the way that he felt like he'd be safe to do so. And so I feel like you really get to see just how much Maverick really does care about the people he loves and yeah you ah, I just love that and that scene where I was telling you earlier so it's Mr. Wyatt who okay. owns the grocery right. store mm-hmm. and he says son one of the biggest lies ever told is that black men don't feel emotions guess it's easier to not see us as human when you think we're heartless fact of the matter is we feel things hurt pain sadness all of it we got a right to show them feelings as much as anybody else mm-hmm. and so this is after Somebody very close to Maverick passes away right. due to gang violence. And, um, yeah. Well, one just... thing I will say, I loved how he goes and works with uh, Mr. Wyatt's roses. Yeah. And he learns to to really um, just cultivate them so and just kept going back and back again to work on them. Of course, he it was, it was backbending work, you know, when he first started helping him. But the thing is, is that he learned to treat them so well and began to like it. And I just, I love that, that uh, Angie puts it in where he's actually working with roses mm-hmm. and seeing how, you know, you, you got to take your time because they've got the prickly things on them and you don't mm-hmm. want to cause yourself to bleed, but not just that, the connection to Tupac Shakur's um, poem. I just, the rose that grew from concrete. I just. One, it's uh, such a great metaphor for like Maverick himself too. Mm-hmm. Like he looks prickly on the outside, but on yeah. the inside, he just needs some extra care and TLC. And, right. um, Mr. Wright even talks about how, like, roses can grow in conditions that you wouldn't think that they would be able to. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they can grow in rock, and they can grow in soil that has a lot of, a, like, a lack of nutrients right. and stuff. And I just thought that was, like, such an amazing metaphor to right. use. Um, and I love this, the Thanksgiving scene mm-hmm. where his grandmother's like, Lord Jesus, I pray for Maverick's fertility. Let's <laughs> Yeah, some definite laugh out loud moments in that book that made it just, just a gem. I, you know, just just seeing Maverick really pushing through uh, the concrete. I guess you could say because he was a product of the streets. You know, all right, and Carlos got beef with him now. Like I'm gonna have to reread the the hate you give to like see Carlos Mm -hmm. in a better light because Carlos is Lisa's older brother. He's a cop in the, the hate you give. Yeah, and. In the hate you give, I was like, he's trying to bring the other side of the argument. Right. To, and I was like, I can see where he's coming. Uh-uh. He mollywops Maverick. And I'm just like, that yeah. was uncalled for. That was rude. Yeah. Like, you need to calm down. You yeah. need to calm down. And he is so sp- unnecessarily immature and just, yeah. he's very obnoxious in Concrete Rose. And I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so I'm going to go back and reread the hate you give to, like, remember. I know, right? That he is, like, a better adult, I guess. Yeah. But Maverick, man, he was good from the beginning. Yeah. So. 
Well, those were pretty good. Yeah. I hated that I didn't do all of my homework so I could give y'all some good ideas as to what's coming out uh, for other genres other than mystery and suspense. But I'm, I'm telling you, uh, just be patient with me as I, you know, get those together. But the reason why I haven't done my homework is because we've got uh, so big DVD no, do, donations and oh, yeah. we want to get them out because there are some that we don't have and then there's some that we have probably need need that extra copy because mm -hmm. they don't come back which by the way <laughs> i promise you you can check them out again Anywho, <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> so i'm trying to get these dvds uh off the shelf off of my back shelf so that we can get them out for people to be able to you know enjoy and watch and check yeah. out and return <laughs> and it's just a lot of them yeah. and so in the midst of me trying to do that I had to take just a small break in purchasing in order to give myself time to do that take all the time you need boo boo yeah but I oh these are such great books coming so I'm just like I gotta get it gotta get it gotta get it <laughs> but uh, you know anywho uh -huh. I'm glad that I'm back with you yeah and we're doing this um I did listen to your true crime Thursday loved it oh, I'm glad absolutely you loved it. it I can't wait to be a guest host a uh, guest uh speaker yes uh, I gotta read something weird but yeah um Weta did it we we yeah, did it. We did it. She hold. She really did it. Anyway, so I digress. <laughs> but y'all have a good one. Thank y'all for still rocking with us all this time, and um, we'll catch y'all next time. All right, we'll talk at you next week. Next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.